Okay, so we are on uh, the third vowel, and as a bit of review, um, just the, the, the way that they all kind of come together. The week number one was, I'm a sinner, only saved by God's grace given to me through His Son, Jesus Christ. Um, uh, week, week two, what do we do when we realize we're a sinner? We turn to Christ and we trust in Him alone for our salvation. Membership vow number three moves into the type of relationship we expect to have with one another. So membership vow number one and two would be vows that you would take upon conversion or if you weren't raised as a Christian, there would be things you would assent to when you get baptized and your baptism would be a sign of that, a symbol of what you believe concerning the grace of God and your own sin. Question three moves into this expectation of the relationship we will have with one another. We've been uh, adopted by uh, no good of our own, but by the pure grace of God, and we've been brought into his family. And questions three, four, and five say, now how is this family going to be structured? What's that going to look like? What am I to expect? And so question number three says, do you now resolve in humble reliance upon the grace of the Holy Spirit that you will endeavor to live as becomes a follower of Christ. So what we have here is a, a commitment, a vow uh, to purpose. I am now purposed. Uh, salvation isn't just the end of my relationship. It's not just the fire insurance I've gotten, but it is, in a sense, the start of a relationship with God and with His church. And, and that relationship, we share a common goal that each of us, more and more, will look like Christ. Each of us, more and more, through relationship with each other and living those relationships in light of the Scriptures and the commitments to a church, will look more and more like Christ. Um, uh, I've asked Jason to read Colossians 2, verses 6 and 7. I don't have that in your notes, so you might want to just write that verse in your notes. I think it's a really... It's a good text for us as we consider kind of what next. I become a Christian. What next? Therefore, if you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, being built up in him, established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Okay, so there's just a ton packed in those two verses. It starts with this, therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus as Lord. So again, that's questions one and two. How did we receive Christ Jesus as Lord? How does a Christian enter into the relationship with God? Christian enters into the relationship with God by repentance and faith. I, I, I hear that truth, what we've been seeing in Romans. God has presented himself. Uh, God has invited us into his presence. Uh, I respond with repentance and, uh, and faith. I repent and I believe. I repent and I believe. And so the author of Colossians, the Apostle Paul, is writing to that church and he's saying, in that same manner, in that same way, when you came to Christ, this is how you are to live. And so when I drew this out uh, last week, this cross chart, um, I, I want you to see how it plays in to our worship. 
Okay, this is how it plays into our worship and it plays into our spiritual growth. So uh, I said, you know, at day one, this is a reminder, uh, at day one, the, the knowledge of God, of who He is, the knowledge of our sin, and an understanding that the cross bridges that gap, an understanding that the cross of Christ, uh, the death of Christ, the resurrection of Christ, all that that earned can be mine through faith. Uh, on day one, we call that conversion. So this would be conversion. Now, the next class that we're going to teach after this is going to be on the order of salvation, and we'll see where conversion fits in in that order, all that went on beforehand. But we call that conversion, and then we call this, this, this walk afterwards, uh, we call this sanctification. And sanctification is that process of becoming more like Christ, more like God. And the apostle there is saying the way that happens is the exact same way that you came to Christ. The way that happens is repentance and faith. And so when we meet for worship and we start with the scriptures reminding us that God has called us into his presence, um, we, we do everything we can in worship to do two things, actually more than two things, but but, but at least these two things, we, we speak about who God is in our worship. We remind ourselves over and over again. We go back to the Word. Uh, this morning, the, the, the key phrase is going to be the truth of God. We go to the Scriptures to find the truth of God. The truth, capital T, capital T, the truth. So as, as we meet in worship, as we meet in community, as we meet in small group, we... we study who God is in all of his holiness and all of his attributes and so over time we talked about this a bit last week over time our view of, of the otherness of God of the holiness of God of the greatness of God continues to grow and grow and grow and grow in the meantime the other thing we do and we do this in our service we take a pause in the middle of the service and someone will read a passage of scripture that passage of scripture again is the truth of God concerning what he requires and how we have failed and it points to perfection and we take a pause in that service and and we confess our sins to God so what's happening in that is we are understanding our sin and as we are confessing then we hear a word of assurance which reminds us that that however holy we are aware of him and however sinful we are aware of ourselves his cross and his grace is sufficient so that's what the apostle is writing. Continue to live in him, rooted and built up in him. And then he ends that passage by saying, and overflowing with thankfulness. So Colossians 2, 6, and 7 might be just a great memory verse for you because it gives us the purpose of the church. And it ends with worship. So though that's this process that we go through weekly, weekly, weekly. Um, if you've ever been in a sport, you know that you do drills you do left-hand layups, right-hand layups. I remember the coach gave us these special glasses that you couldn't see your hands, so you could only see above. And it was a, it was a hilarious thing. It's a good thing we didn't have Twitter and uh, TikTok back then as we were running into each other, tripling, tripping. And you know, he was teaching us a drill. If you don't look, you learn the feel of the ball. You, learn, you don't have to look when you're dribbling. Um, we think about this order of worship as a process such that in our gut, 
we live as a people who are in the expectation that God is going to continue until I see him to root out sin in my life. He is going to gently and lovingly for my joy and his glory and the health of his church, he is going to root those things out little by little by little by little. And so the longer you walk with God, you will find yourself as a Christian of 20 years or a Christian of 30 years, repenting of sins that you didn't even know were sins back here. All of a sudden, God may reveal something to you. And you're like, my whole life, you know, I have, I have served this little sub-God, this little idol over here. My whole life, I have, I have drawn part of my worth or my value from this. My whole life, I have been closed off to correction. Uh, because my, my, my ego or, or my um, reputation among people was the God that I serve. So um, that, that's how that works. And so what we are doing in this vow is we're saying, that's what we're expecting of you. Now, let me tell you, it's a bit dangerous to take that vow in a small town. Because it might be Jason and I having coffee at Shangri-La. We might hear some lady down there getting ready for golf, saying some stuff. All good stuff, of course. <laughs> all good stuff. You might be in a restaurant, and then behind you, all of a sudden, you hear something. You're like, huh. And so, th- I, I think that's one of the hard things about a small town, but it's actually one of the good things. You know, we, 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 we can't hide, nor should we. Right? We, we really, we shouldn't hide. And when we take this vow, we are saying, I expect that my relationship with Jim Pennington, that my relationship with Jason Sheffield that God is going to use that relationship to make me more like Jesus. And one of the ways he's going to use that is he's going to use that person who I am, I am beginning more and more to trust, cares for me, that person who I'm beginning more and more to believe, they're going to try their best to treat me in a gospel relationship, not, hey, Rev, have you earned this? Um, not if you perform, but no, because Christ has loved me, because Christ has forgiven me, um, we more and more expect that in, in those relationships we will have times of correction. Um, so that, that's kind of the gist of this um, vow. Let me get back to where we are. Um, and we call this the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. Uh, some people don't think that the Presbyterians believe in the Holy Spirit. Uh, <laughs> There was always this joke in seminary that we would get to heaven and Holy Spirit would be, hey, Presbyterians, come over here. Why are you guys so afraid of me? <laughs> uh, yeah, then we'd point to the crazy Pentecostals, like, because of them, it was their fault, you know. They said stuff and weird stuff, and we didn't want to be, you know. But we absolutely believe in God the Holy Spirit. But I do tell you that, that part of my own history, that there was a season there of anybody mentioning the Holy Spirit or a sign of a dove or a hand going up, it brought back all of these, what I thought were misinterpretations of the Holy Spirit's work, misinterpretations of the Holy Spirit's gifts. Um, but we believe in God, the Holy Spirit, working in the church, working through the Word of God um, to, to help us in this process of sanctification. So in your notes, we have the Holy Spirit as the third person of the Trinity, equal in power and glory to the Father and the Son. He was not just something that was missing until Jesus was resurrected, but he was sent in a more powerful way because Jesus was resurrected to point to this work of Jesus. 
And so uh, it, my, my, my short version of the work of the Holy Spirit is this. The Holy Spirit makes in the believer the work of Jesus real. The Holy Spirit makes in the Christian the work of Jesus real. The Holy Spirit's job is to point out to us, to remind us, to bring us back up to speed. Hey, Mark, Jesus covered that. Hey, Mark, you are a son of God, period. Hey, Mark, you belong to him. Hey, Mark, there is a better place for you in the future. Um, the Spirit does that. It's, it's, it's his job pointing to the value of Jesus's work. I put in your notes that he is mentioned in the Old Testament. The Holy Spirit is there at creation, hovering over the waters. You get a beautiful picture of the work of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit at creation. There's places where he's mentioned in the Old Testament. I think specifically when uh, Moses is told to appoint elders, uh, God tells Moses, look for men in whom the Spirit dwells. Uh, and so um, it's, it's not some New Testament thing that was unleashed, and, and now he's, he's there. Um, so in your notes, it says, brings glory to the Son in John 16, applies Christ's work to his people, uh, regenerates us, brings us to repentance and faith, and then sanctifies us and preserves us among other things. So in my latter years as a Christian where I was less afraid of the Holy Spirit, I have found much more fruitful ministry and prayer. Um, and so on occasion, if I call you or send you a text, it's because I believe that the Holy Spirit has put you on my mind. And I encourage you to think along those lines as well. Now, it's dangerous the way it is used in our culture. People will say, God told me this. God told me I should do this. God told me that. And um, for many people, again, in our, in our little culture, I think, I think what, they're, what they should be communicating is, I feel led by the Spirit to do this. Um, because I've, I've just known people that God told me to do this, and then it didn't happen. It didn't go out the way he wanted. Uh, and even sometimes God told me to do this, and I'm like, he can't tell you to do this because it's against his commands and it's against his word. It, it wasn't him telling you. Um, and so I think we need to be careful with our, our vernacular when we talk about that. But um, let us not in a sense of protection or distancing ourselves from aberrant, maybe Christian uh, behavior, pretend the Holy Spirit doesn't exist. Um, he gives spiritual gifts to his people. The primary use of those gifts are to build up the body of Christ. Um, and uh, this says, in humble reliance upon the grace of the Holy Spirit. So we are trusting that the grace of the Holy Spirit will um, continue to work in us uh, as in our walk. We'll pray for each other that the grace of the Holy Spirit will work and help us at times reconcile. Um, the other thing I like to say is the Holy Spirit, in a sense, is, is mentioned as a seal, uh, like a stamp, a seal, and, and, it, and it, makes, it makes us, in some sense, when it says you were sanctified and you have been baptized in the Holy Spirit, you've been set apart by the Holy Spirit, um, that the Holy Spirit belongs to God's people and uh, seals us for the day of glorification. So, 
Sanctification defined um, is is growing more and more into Christ likeness, more and more um, looking like Christ. The law of God um, and its use in sanctification is um, it, it can can be another misuse um, and. The, the misunderstanding of that can lead to legalism and self-righteousness. Um, I think I might have shared this story in one of my sermons, but we met this couple, wedding or something, and um, I was the pastor, so they always ask me pastor questions, you know, Christian questions. It's always fun. Um, usually it's about the Da Vinci Code or something, you know. Um, but this one was like, hey, we got some friends, and they say they're Christians, and they put their head down, and they're like, but they go to bowling alleys. <laughs> and I, I, my response was yours. So like, and? <laughs> um, and? And so one thing we have to watch, especially in church community, is God the Holy Spirit is working on us corporately as a body together, but he's also working on us individually. And each individual believer may have areas of sin that the Holy Spirit has pricked their conscience. Each, each believer may also have, well, I mean, why do I have wine and grape juice in there? You know why? Because the first Sunday at the church I planted in California, uh, everybody invited their friends, and a young lady who's an alcoholic came up and, and took a little cup of wine. And I had no idea that, that something like that you know, that something like that was just this, just, just this huge, like she had her little badge, her medallion of how many years she had not had any alcohol, and she comes to church, and how something like that could make them fall off the wagon and, and go into this downward spiral, right? And in my mind, I was like, well, wait, Jesus' first miracle was turning uh, grape juice into wine, and it was good wine, and it was at a wedding, and, you know, it was, so we're not going to go there. But then as the body unfolds, as you learn to care for people, Weaker brothers, um, weaker sisters, you know, so, I mean, that, that, that's why we do it. That's why it's a different color, in case you're ever wondering, um, because uh, there are some people that it, that it may harm. Um, but for that person who has committed in their mind or their heart that uh, alcohol is not good for me, that, that can actually become what they point to for their sanctification, and, and it can tend to be how they judge other people. I went to a wedding, and I saw the pastor dance, and it was awful. <laughs> was it awful because he can't dance, or is it awful because he shouldn't be dancing? Both. Uh, so um, I've, I've, I've had people come into our church whose parents were kicked out of leadership because they let their daughter go to the senior prom. Um, and, and I know those people that thought that their daughter shouldn't go to the senior prom in their minds, they were thinking, we are further along in our sanctification. Jesus wouldn't go to the senior prom. Jesus wouldn't let his kid go do that. Um, and, and so we have to be careful as a body when we are convicted about certain things, that our God is the God of the conscience and um, not making what we would consider good ideas into biblical mandates. So if, if you ever feel that I'm doing that, when we, get to question, when we get to vow number five, you take a vow for the peace and purity of the church. 
And so if we ever get to that, if you ever feel like uh, from the pulpit someone said, unless you vote for this candidate, you're not a Christian, please call me out on that because that's extra biblical. It is, it is attacking, attaching our righteousness to something other than this finished work of Christ. Um, so sanctification is, uh, here, here's the other thing, the, the, the primary um, method of sanctification is actually the gospel. So it's, it's an interesting focus. People are, they, like, they feel like they're saved by grace, but they grow more Christ-like through works. They're saved by grace, but they're sanctified by works. They're sanctified by the law. Um, and the, the law finally has its, its great purpose, its second great purpose for the believer when they're saved. The law gives us a direction of how to live. It shows us what, what Christ is like, what God is like, and it gives us a pattern, a pattern for repentance. But it isn't the law that sanctifies us. It's not the law, the to-do list. Now, it's hard because here's another illustration I've used before. Um, one of my buddies in Mississippi, we had just finished fertilizing a, uh, what we call a food plot. It's a beautiful way that hunters feed wildlife in order to kill wildlife. Uh, <laughs> not all the wildlife, just to eat one or two, right? Anyway, we had this food plot, and, uh, and we had fertilized it all. And he, he said, man, just if there's just a slight rain, that would just be perfect. The nitrogen would get in the soil and not wash it off. And just at that moment, it started to drizzle. I mean, he looked up, he's like, oh, this is just, this is just perfect. And so I, I looked at him, I said, well, did you have your quiet time this morning? So uh, quiet time is code word for Christians uh, reading the Bible in the morning and praying. Did you have your quiet time in the morning? And he said, matter of fact, I did. Do you think that makes me, you think that makes God love me more? And um, I said, no, I don't think so, but I think it makes you love him more. And so some of the spiritual disciplines that we might promote when I say this would be a really good verse for you to memorize. Uh, when we get to Romans 12, I'll probably mention it today in, in my sermon. When we get to Romans 12 and it talks about the renewing of the mind. Um, these are methods that the Holy Spirit uses alongside of our cooperation to grow us more and more into the love of Christ. Any questions so far? Um, progressive sanctification. Uh, I guess I have Romans 12 right in there. First uh, Thessalonians 4. Um, in the Westminster Shorter Catechism, it says, Sanctification is the work of God's free grace, whereby he makes us more and more into the image of Jesus Christ. These uh, good works or righteous living, they flow from saving faith. Um, and we are called to work out our salvation, to make every effort, um, to depend on God, the Holy Spirit, because only he can overcome our sinful desires. Um, so in the five points of Calvinism, this would be the letter P, the perseverance of the saints or the preservation of the saints. The saints are preserved... Uh, the saints persevere because God the Holy Spirit does not let them go. God the Holy Spirit commits himself to us. And so when we get to Romans 8, 38, where he just says there is nothing that can separate us from the love of God. 
The context will be important by the time we get to Romans 8 about who he's talking to. He is talking to believers. He is talking to those who have repented of their sins and put their trust in faith. And, uh, and, and the beautiful flow of that, when we get to Romans 7, the apostle, Romans 7 is a, is a sanctification passage. It's the apostle, the apostle himself, talking about the frustrations he has as he wrestles through sin. Wrestles through sin. It, it, it's, it's a famous passage where it's like, the good things I want to do, I don't do. And those things I don't want to do, I end up doing. And he's like, I, it's, I feel this law at work in me. When good is there, evil is there. And, and it's, this, this, it's this beautiful personal confession that he's writing to a church he's never known. And then he gets to Romans 8. And he's like, there's no condemnation, though, for those in Christ Jesus. When he gets to Romans 38, he's like, I am just convinced of this, that there is nothing that will separate us from the love of God. Um, so that is the work of the Spirit. He will preserve all those for whom Christ has died. Um, but it doesn't relieve us of our responsibility. <clears throat> the Spirit also gives us an assurance of our salvation. Um, it gives us a, a sense of confidence that indeed Christ's work was sufficient. <clears throat> so we um, have what we call the means of grace. This is the, what we would call the common means of grace, the normal means of of grace, uh, the word, the prayer, and the sacraments. So um, we use the word of God, preaching, and private reading of the Bible. We use that, and the Spirit applies that to us to shape us. Um, and I, I generally read the Bible first to last through once a year. And I find it interesting. I put notes in there. I have some notes now back to 2020 of COVID, you know, I have COVID notes, COVID meditations, COVID, I don't, I don't know if those of you who are here, you know, I would, I sent a few emails out at first, typical Kuiper, start off strong, and then I kind of fizzle and fumble right there at the one yard line. So, <laughs> so I had all of these things out here and it was going great. And, you know, then we all got depressed and, um, you know, but, uh, but it's interesting for me to look through, I'm like, oh, wow, that passage, I, I write, I've written, you know, things that were personal and heavy and hard um, in the margin. And like the word was living and active and it got me through. Um, and then I'll read and I don't know how many years I've been doing this, maybe 20 some. I'll read a text. And I'm like, how have I missed that 20 some times through the scriptures? How did I miss that text? Um, this week I was I was reading where it says Peter stood afar waiting to see what happened. And, and it just it just triggered in me this sense of that's what that's what I do. Jesus, how are you going to fix this? I want to wait at a distance. I'm not sure I want to be closely aligned with you at every moment, every step of the day. How is this going to work? And what happens when he is standing back, waiting and seeing? He falls into the temptation, doesn't he, of the of the servant girl. Aren't you one of them? No, no, no. Would he have said he was one of them? Jesus was taken up to the throne for sure right he waited to see and as Jesus is being ridiculed as he is being flogged he's being punished as he has been accused and it's not going the way that Peter thought it would so I mean I, I don't know how many times I've read that text but it was that the spirit in that moment in that day saying hey Mark I want you to notice this 
this is a tendency of yours. The word prayer, uh, corporate prayer that we do together, um, and prayer to God. Um, you know, this weekend I, I went to a wedding and just a lot of family members, a lot of people I knew from the previous churches. Um, and there was a couple having specific issues. And we just went aside for about a half an hour and just prayed together. And um, after we got done, she said, no one's prayed for us in at least 10 years. Like, as a couple, no one's, no one's prayed over us in at least 10 years. I was like, oh, that's awful. <laughs> like, that's just, uh, yeah, that, that has to change. Um, prayer, it's, you know, I sent Jason text the other day. I was having one of my dark, dark Mondays. I'm like, buddy, I'm not believing the gospel this Monday morning. Pray for me. Four hours later, I'm, you know, I'm ready to go storm the gates of hell with a super soaker. You know, <laughs> I mean, it's, 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 is it, is it the humbling effect of it? Is it a, a brother praying? It's somehow, it's some means of God's grace. Now, often we fail because we think of prayer as just asking God, give this, give this, heal this person, do this, as opposed to God. Uh, and you read the Psalms, you know, from the depth of woe, I'm crying to you. Why have you hidden yourself from me? Why are you so distant? Why is my soul so downcast? Um, so prayer is this beautiful means of grace. And um, I think I've shared this before that there was a Sunday, I remember a Sunday morning specifically, where I'm on my knees uh, as the sermon feels horrible in my mind, and I'm begging God, please show up. Please spare your people from another awful sermon. <laughs> you know? um, please help me. And then I found myself apologizing to God. Like, I promised to do better. Maybe I shouldn't have taken that Tuesday off and gone fishing. Um, I, I won't do it next week. And then, I, then it was just like it just dawned on me, like, who do you think you are that you won't need the Spirit and the Father all the time? I mean, who, do, you, do you think God's sitting like, that? well, I'm going to help you this time, but I'm not happy about it, you know? Um, so the word prayer and the sacraments. Um, baptism and the Lord's Supper are the two sacraments that we keep here. Um, baptism being uh, a sign and seal that a person has entered the covenant. Um, we do baptize infants. There are those who do not. Uh, they dedicate infants. Um, but we, we baptize infants because we believe they're part of the covenant community. Uh, just as Hebrew babies, eight-day-old eight Hebrew males were circumcised, it's a sign and a seal of the covenant. Uh, we believe baptism is kind of the continual continuation of that. Um, and in the Lord's Supper, we explain that every week. Um, you may have questions about baptism. Um, and if you want, we can talk about that privately. It's supposed to, that's what I'm supposed to talk about here, but I just went off on something else. Um, uh, we, we have baptized adults who have not been baptized as a profession of faith. So it's, it's almost as if you, you look at baptism as being joining the community and then uh, communion being the family meal that that community shares. Um, but uh, the word sacraments and prayer are, are really the primary means that God uses to sanctify his people. Uh, yeah, so I, I, um, 
Any 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 questions about number three? Did Kathy try to come in the side door? We should all stop and look at her right now since she's trying not to interrupt. Uh, two, six, and seven. Colossians two, six, and seven. Yeah. That's one of the things we want to avoid, Kathy, by putting just a little entrance there so people can come in and also Wyatt Matthews can go to the bathroom and we don't we don't we don't hear him during the service too. <laughs> I'd say that's worth at least a million dollars. Uh you know, um, people can be Christians outside of the church, but it's very, very, very rare that they are sanctified outside the church. It's very rare that they are sanctified on their own, listening to videos, uh, watching things on TV, and um, reading quietly on their own. God, God has created the body to knock the edges off and also to give us opportunities to, um, to serve and to love. Um, rather than looking for a bunch of people that are going to love us and make us comfortable, I think oftentimes it's good to walk into a church and say, what's God equipped me to do here? How has God equipped me to help here? Um, where can I serve? I'll say one more Mississippi story. i got a dear friend that supports this church just tremendously. Uh, I spent time with him, and I'm driving back, and I get this text. He goes, I forgot to ask. You guys need money? <laughs> <laughs> I forgot to ask, and I, I say, yeah, we need lots. Um, <laughs> I, I, it's like, well, why didn't you ask? I go, because I have, these, I have these two voices in my head that sometimes speak louder than your voice of generosity, and one of them says, uh, he's going to think you're only his friend because he gives. And, um, and I said, I'm, I'm just sorry. You've done nothing to ever make me feel that. And he goes, yeah, that's Satan. That's stupid. I'll send a check, you know. Um, but so that's what I mean, like, the further on in life, like, that's, that's sin on my part, saying I, I, I'm not going to entrust this person who's God's given a gift of generosity because I'm so afraid of what they'll think of me, right? That, that, I mean, that's, that's one of those things that it, it's taken 50 years for God to finally bring that up and say, I'm going to start working through this with you. But I'm also going to use your one of your good friends who shares the gospel with you over and over um, to bring that about. So that really is our hope here. Um, let me pray for us. Father, we thank you for the Holy Spirit. Let me pray, Holy Spirit, that you have your way with us. Oh, that you remind us that there is such great glory and beauty in Christ and that you have the best intentions for us, that you are relentless in glorifying Christ through us and in us. And so we pray, Lord, that you would use our church to aid in this process more and more, uh, dealing with each other as you have dealt with us, more and more being a beautiful beacon to the outside world of what love, compassion, and grace look like, how truth and confrontation work together. Oh, Father, we thank you that you make these things clear to us in your word. 
You've made it clear to us that our relationship with you, it, we, we're not the ones holding on by our good works and our commitments. It is you, Holy Spirit, that will not let go of us. And we're so grateful for that. You bless our worship now, we ask in Jesus Christ's name. Amen.